0: Concerned, I'm concerned about our young people. Don't you hurt for them? They're so confused. They don't know what to believe anymore. Every day there's another lie coming out. There's more propaganda. You can't believe anything that comes out of Hollywood. Most most of what's being broadcast on the, the the network news, you cannot believe most of it, and I mean any of it. Fox News, CNN, uh, and and then the kids are. It won't be too long before you know school will be sort of meeting back normal again, and the kids will be back. Lord willing, that is, they'll be back in school, and and they get ten thousand mixed messages in school. And if that, that's not bad enough, then they enroll in college. And you talk about a battle beginning. Well, that's a whole different, that's a whole different universe. And so, in my soul, I really felt burdened to, uh, to try to talk to you about this thing of equality tonight. Now, I'm gonna give you something and then toward the end, I'm going to ask you to do something. And so Proverbs chapter 22 in your Bibles, when you find your place, let's all stand, if you would, uh, out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read one verse tonight, and we'll, we'll read it all together as a congregation. And then we're going to uh, teach tonight or preach or whatever the Lord leads us to do. Proverbs chapter 22 in your Bibles, and find your place to verse number 2, and let's read it together. Ready? The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. You sound so good. Let's do it one more time. Ready? The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And of course, I want to focus on that last part. The Lord is the maker of them all. And so um, I'm going to get um, pretty frank tonight. Not too frank, I don't think, because I know we're in, a mixed, we're in a, a mixed audience this evening, and so I'll try to keep it safe, I'll try to, I'll try to keep it uh, family-friendly tonight, although huh, the world does not, uh, but we'll try to keep it family-friendly tonight, And um, but let's go to the Lord. You can, be, you can be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, I'm marking the clock right now, all right? So we're not going to try to keep you long this evening. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary tonight. God, we thank you for the wonderful, wonderful service that you gave us this morning. It was evident, Lord, your presence was, was so real. And we just appreciate you, Father. We, we, we don't want to take that for granted. Lord, we don't own you. We don't have a corner on the market. Father, if you... Decided to remove your presence. You could. There's nothing we could do about it. But Lord, we just want you to know we hope you never do that. I pray that your presence will always be here until the return of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll bless our discussion. That's really what it is tonight. I pray that you'll bless our discussion tonight and I pray that it'll make loads of sense and and I pray that you'll really do a work of grace on the hearts of our youth and our young people and our young adults and our teenagers and Lord help them to know what the word of God has to say and that the word of God has something to say about everything and any question we have there's an answer for it in scripture it's a right answer it's a verified answer it's a it's 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 tried and tested it's trustworthy and so Lord Fill us with the Spirit of God. We'll definitely need that tonight. Hide us behind the cross. And we, best we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service. And God, I pray that you'd keep the powers of darkness without. And I pray, Father, that you'd keep your blessings within tonight. Teach us some lessons tonight. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. We strive at Calvary Baptist Church never to be and issue-oriented church. Let me tell you one of the reasons. If you're not careful, sometimes churches get, become so issue-oriented that they actually get distracted by the issues. And the main thing is no longer the main thing. Winning souls to Christ, glorifying the Lord, trying to, to honor Christ, uh, begins to take, begins to take a back seat while the issue begins to become uh, the main thing in the church. And so we know, at least we want to make sure that we always keep in mind that the main thing at Calvary Baptist Church is the Great Commission. Amen, it's winning people to Jesus Christ, building his kingdom, and getting people to Jesus. He's the remedy. He's the answer. That's what it's all about. Amen, and... Uh, uh, it's not about Republican. It's not about Democrat. It's not about moderate or independent. Jesus is the answer. And uh, we, want that, we want that to be, always to be the main thing. I want the messages preached at Calvary Baptist Church to be ones that are spiritual, spiritually edifying. When you come to Calvary, I want you to rest assured that you're going to be built up in the faith that you're going to be encouraged every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revivals. I want you to know that when you come here, it's not going to be some little nitpicky thing, but, but we're going to be preaching the Word of God, and you're going to be encouraged in the faith. But occasionally, occasionally it's important that we address some very important issues. Two reasons. Number one, because they are issues that face us nationally. But number two, and maybe more importantly, they're issues that are facing us ecclesiastically. They're issues that are actually, that are actually making their way into the church. And they're changing the church as we know it. They're definitely changing our nation but now they're beginning to have an effect on the church, and they're beginning to they're beginning to change the church. And then on top of that, it's beginning to have an effect on our young generation. And I want all our young people to know something. We love you. And I know to you we seem old, old, old. And old fashioned. And I I, I get it. But understand that those old-fashioned ways are what made this gration great. And great. And, and our Bible encourages us to, to pay attention to the old paths. And uh, those are some of the greatest paths that you'll ever trod are those old paths. And, and so hold on to those old paths. So let me say a couple of things quickly tonight by way of introduction, if I may. Number one is this, or by way of introduction, first of all, we're all equal in the sight of God. We're all equal in the sight of God. Uh, turn over, if you will, to Galatians chapter number three. We've been camping out in Galatians a lot here lately. Galatians chapter number three in your Bibles. And look, if you will, at verse number 28. As I said just a moment ago, I've got tons of scripture tonight. We won't be able to go to all these. But, but occasionally, I'll ask you to turn to some because it's good for you to see, uh, see them yourself. Galatians chapter three and verse number 28. The Bible says there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, he said, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, basically, what the Bible's teaching us there is this that we're all equal in the sight of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says it like this for there is no respect of persons with God. And so, uh, understand that, that there's not. You know, uh, several different classes in God's sight. There's not the important class, and then there's the medium importance, and then there's, you know, the lower class. Uh, There's no such thing in, in God's sight. There's not any person that's more important than any other person uh, in God's sight. By the way, that's how the church is, too. There's, there's not a member of the body that's less important than uh, any other member of the body. And now there are, there are members that are more visibly, more easily seen, and, uh, and uh, are more in the public eye and things like that. But if you go back and study your Bible, you'll find out that every single body, every single member of the body, is of the utmost importance to God. uh, We used to sing a song years ago that said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No man stands higher than I. I can call on Jesus' name and a king can do the same. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And by the way, we can all say amen right there. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it's important for us to understand that Christ died for every single individual. 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us where not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so I want you to understand quickly tonight as we start that Jesus Christ died for every single person. There's not a person alive or ever has been alive that Christ didn't die for. In fact, had you been the only one that was ever born, Christ would have died for you. Uh, Another song says when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And how true that is. And so Jesus Christ died for every single individual. We're all equal in the sight of God. Number next is this. As Christians, we're to love every individual equally. You're in your Bibles, take your Bibles, turn over to Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30 tonight. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. Now this is important for a church like ours. We have to make sure that we understand that we're to love everybody, every single individual. We're to love everybody at Calvary Baptist Church. Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Look at verse 31. He said, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And so Calvary, please understand that what I'm preaching tonight, I'm not preaching hate I'm not preaching uh, uh, anything like that tonight. Uh, and by the way, I'm glad I pastor a church where everybody's welcome and everybody's loved and everybody's encouraged. And uh, and uh, uh, and we ought to be that kind of a church that loves every single individually equally, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they look like, regardless of where they're from, regardless of where they are in their life. Uh, we have a responsibility to love every single individual that walks in these doors. And this is the truth, this is the truth, that this place right here that you're in, this is a spiritual hospital. And so, what kind of hospital is it that doesn't want sick people coming? Because so we're gonna have sick people that walk in. Truth is, we were all sick in sin until Jesus saved us. And so, we're gonna have all walks of life walk into this building, walk into this church, and we ought to do our best to uh, welcome them and love them to Jesus and and encourage them and and let them know that they are precious to the Lord. And by the way, they are precious to the Lord. And so as Christians, we are to love every individual equally. But when it comes to equality, there are some biblical rights and some biblical wrongs. Now we're living in that, as I said this morning, we're living in that relative society that that is teaching our young people that there is no right anymore and there's no wrong. You see, what's right for Brother Horn may not be right for me. And what's wrong for Brother Ricky may not be wrong for me. And so we ought not judge. And you can't say to someone that that you're wrong. I mean, what right do you have to tell them they're wrong? And uh, you you, you can't do that. But I want you to understand something now. I want you to understand that there are some rights and there are some wrongs. And that's why God has given us a biblical document, the word of God, the oracles of God. And it's within this book that we find what is right and we find what is wrong. And I'm going to give you those tonight. Everybody ready? All right, here we go. Number one. It's important for us to understand that God created male and female. Amen. Genesis chapter one. Let's all turn over there if you would. Genesis chapter one and verse number 27. Again, this is something that we need to come to grips with. That God created male and female. By the way, it works out pretty good. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good plan. It really is. Um, Genesis chapter, I'm, I'm, I'm picking. It's not pretty good. It's real good. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27 says this So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And this, this is how he created them male and female created he them. And so our Bible's very clear here that God created male and female. Now, you say, Pastor, uh, why are you preaching that? And this is the reason, because I want you to understand that God never created a non-gender. Nor did God create a transgender. Now, politically correct? Oh, no. Popular? No, no, not anymore. But right? Oh, Yes. Very, very right. We're not preaching this out of hate. We're, not, we're, we're, we're just, a, uh, we're just preaching this out of love tonight. Uh, but understand that God did not create a non-gender. When God created the human race, God created them male and God created them female. You are either male or you are either female. You're not in between. You're not, and, and here's where we are now. We're like, well, we don't know what we are. We don't know what we are. And so now we're implementing legislation that that says that we're gonna start giving uh, hormone therapy to minors as young as five years old who are not sure what they are, and so we're gonna start giving them hormone therapy because they might be a girl, they might be a, a boy, and so since they don't know, we're gonna give them uh, hormone treatments to try to help them uh, go in the direction that they wanna go. Now listen to me, church, this is not hard to understand. You either is or you either ain't, amen? Amen. God created male and God created female. Now here's the, and and this is a little awkward tonight, but we're gonna address this from the pulpit tonight because this is the question that always comes up and this is the question that the kids always get asked. And so somebody says, well, preacher, if that be the case, then what about those who are born with what, what are called intersex traits? Those who supposedly have traces of both sexual genders. And so I'm gonna say, be sure that you study before you just a, a, a agree to believe what people teach you. Amen. Right. You understand that a baby who inherits the X chromosome from the father is a genetic female. And a baby who inherits the Y chromosome from the father is a genetic male. You are either XY or XX. You are either XY, which means you're a male, or you are XX, which means you are a female. Now hang with me, because this gets a little deep. Occasionally, there is a genetic issue, which by the way, you studied out for yourself, don't take my word for it. There is a genetic issue which sometimes takes place, the doctors have no idea why that happens, and there is a slight mismatching of the chromosomes. Uh, And they say, what's happening? It's happening a lot. Study before you believe what you hear. There is approximately, they tell us, and I've read a number of different articles, but there's approximately one in 1,500 to one in 2,000 infants who are born every year in the world, not just America, but in the world, with some type of what they refer to as an intersex condition. The chances of this happening to a baby are, are you ready? 0.05%. Now, children that are born with what they call intersex deformities, please understand something, are similar to kids that are born with other forms of defects. And it happens because of a genetic issue that they cannot explain. But just how many know that sometimes when birth takes place, there are just funny things that happen. So, for instance, uh, by the way, these kids that are born with what they call intersex uh, deformities are no less of a person. They're no more of a person. But they are either XX or XY. Now, uh, let me me see if I can help you understand this. We we talk about genetics. They're no different than any other kid that's born with a genetic defect or deformity or whatever you want to call it. For instance, there are some kids who are born with holes in the heart. Are they supposed to be like that? Well, I guess that's debatable, but uh, but God saw fit to let that happen. And so they're born with holes in the heart. Then there are kids that are born with something called a cleft palate or a cleft lip. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen little children, that are born with a cleft lip. Uh, others are born with an extra toe or maybe Uh, maybe they're minus a toe or two. Now, uh, these children that are born with what they call intersex traits uh, are—it is the same exact thing. It is a genetic issue that causes a little deformity when they're born, and after they're born, uh, they come in and they make a—they—they uh, they do some kind of surgery and they try to remedy that—that—that that, that, that child that has a cleft lip. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about? It's a, uh, it happens. I mean, it happens. It's one of those things that just happens occasionally, and—and uh, and nobody knows why but it happens occasionally. And so the doctor comes to the parents and he says, listen, we've got an issue here. You've got a, a, a baby with a cleft uh, lip and and uh, but we're going to fix it. We know how to fix it. We've done it many times. We're going to fix it. There'll be little scarring. And we've seen some babies who had a cleft lip and later on after surgery, you could hardly tell it ever happened. And they repaired it and it looked fine. Wait a minute. Now they do the exact same thing with those kids who, what they call uh, have an intersex deformity uh, and they they, they Make that, that adjustment, if you will, so that child can live a normal life as a man or a woman. But understand something, you're not born in between. You're either XX or XY. Yes, You just say, preacher, I don't like that. And, I, and here's the thing, I can't help it. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Now, and, and honestly, church, and I'm, I, if I'm not careful, I'll get way ahead of myself for tonight, but let me tell you what this really comes down to. It really comes down to an all-out attack on God. That's really what it all boils down to, that this world is so defiant against God, they say, you won't make me a certain way. I'm gonna be what I want to be. And listen, when you get that kind of a defiant attitude and nature in a, in a, a a nation. Let me tell you something. You are headed for destruction. And so understand, understand this, that God created male and God created female. Number two, number two is this. God wants men to act like men and he wants women to act like women. So take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse number 9. Let me deal with the men, the men first. God wants fellas to act like fellas. And God wants ladies to act like ladies. And so, with that said, I want you to understand something. That men are to strive to be masculine. Now, our masculinity is being attacked nowadays. And you watch, don't do it, I'm, I'm, I'm just picking. But if you watch the average, the average uh, uh, mainstream sitcom today, you'll find out that, uh, that in most of those portrayals in the home, the kids are running the outfit. And then mama comes next. And mama's sort of the one that makes everything happen. She makes sure they get soccer practice. She makes sure that, you know, they go out on their date. She makes sure that, uh, you know, they get their license and all this. And then the dad is somewhere off in the shadows, and he is some bimbo That's uh, that don't have enough, uh, don't have enough uh, brains to blow the fuzz off of a peanut. He's some kind of a dimwit that don't even know what's going on, and he's just popping these corny jokes. And that's he's just, uh, you know, that's all he is. And I'm going to tell you what, brother, that is nothing but Satan. That's trying to send his propaganda into our into our society. Men are to strive to be masculine. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Uh, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, or nor violers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you're washed. But you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. Effeminate, nor effeminate. The word effeminate there means this: it means soft to the touch. Soft to the touch. I'm trying to keep this really, I'm trying to keep this in love tonight. But I'm having a tough time. Y'all pray for me. Because this is one of those areas where I could really go off on a tangent and get in the flesh. And I'm not going to do that tonight. By the grace of God, I'm not going to do that tonight. But I'm going to tell you something, church. Boy, Houston, we got a problem. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen so many soft boys in all my life. Soft. Just running around like a uh, Lord help me tonight. Y'all praying? Are y'all praying? You're not praying. Y'all better be praying. Amen. I mean, I'm talking about teenage boys walking around, running around, acting like girls, yeah. acting like a bunch of sissies, afraid to get their hands dirty, yeah. afraid to get grease underneath their fingernails. Yeah, right. And then if that ain't bad enough, we got mamas that are that are encouraging that kind of a lifestyle. Hey, mamas, leave them alone. Yeah. Let them climb trees. Let them get out in the dirt. Let them roll in the mud. Hey, let them go out there and milk the goats. Let them go out there and uh, listen, let them get dirty. You say, well, they'll come in all smelly. Let them smell. A boy is supposed to smell. (laughs) Masculine. Hey, parents, teach your boys to be masculine. By the way, it's why God prefers that men not have long hair. Since we're preaching it all, we might as well preach it all tonight. Now, why is that? Because God wants there to be a difference. He wants there to be a noticeable difference between men and a difference between women. And of course, we know one of the reasons that, uh, and our heart goes out, we know one of the reasons that so many boys are, are growing up uh, feminine today because of the absence of the father in the home. Amen. They don't have a godly dad that is teaching them and training them. and And so... You uh, you uh, homes, you kids that have a dad still at home, ought to go home tonight and get on your knees and say, Jesus, thank you for letting me have a daddy that's pouring into my life. Now, wait a minute, you homes that don't have a dad, mom, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd find me a good, godly man in this church, a man's man. I'd find me a good godly man in this church and I'd direct my boy toward them and I'd say, why don't you go fishing with brother so-and-so? Why don't you spend some time with brother so-and-so? And I'll tell you what, if you want to sit with brother so-and-so in the service and just watch him and sing beside him and watch how he conducts himself and watch how he watch how he walks and he doesn't walk like this, you know, and, and uh, uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't do like that. And uh, he, He's a man's man and you watch him and model him and do what he does. I'm preaching good whether you know it or not tonight, friend, but I am saying this: that boys are supposed to act like boys. No, I know, I know it. I know. I'll get thrown under the bus for this one. I know. <laughs> my grandsons come over to the house, and my wife's got a she got a room just for the grandkids. Toys of all ever, ever kind of toy you could think about, and sometimes my grandsons are going there to play, and she's got some baby dolls in there, and they'll start playing with baby dolls. Whoa, 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 whoa! I tell you what, let's do, fellas. Let's put the baby dolls over here. Let's get the monster truck out. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Let's get the race cars out, man. Let's, let, 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 let's get the dinosaurs out. Let's, let's, let's be men. And so understand that men are to strive to be masculine. But women are designed to be feminine. Yep, yep. And, and, and this is what I'm saying, men, be proud of what you are. Amen. Women are designed to be feminine. First Timothy chapter 5. Would you turn over there with me tonight quickly? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 14. We are 25 minutes in. We'll be done here in just a few minutes. First Timothy chapter five, verse number 14. Men ought to be masculine. Ladies ought to be feminine. 1 Timothy chapter five, verse number 14. The Bible says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You're in 1 Timothy chapter five. Turn back a page, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter number two. 1 Timothy chapter two. Look at verse number nine. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Look at this, verse 10. But which becometh women professing godliness with good works. (laughs) In other words, ladies, it's okay to act like a lady. It's all right. It's the way God created you. It's the way God wants you to be. And so you young ladies that are here tonight, uh, you say, Pastor, I don't think I'm ever gonna make it, uh, you know, Uh, If I try out for the the San Francisco 49ers, well, I hope you don't. Because you're not supposed to. That's not what God ever designed you to be. God wants you to be feminine. You're in in 1 Timothy chapter two. Turn over several pages, four or five pages to the right and turn over to the book of Titus tonight. Titus chapter two, Titus chapter two. And look, if you will, at verse number three tonight. Right after the book, the, the uh, first and second Timothy there in finally look at Titus chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says, the age and women likewise that they be in behaviors become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4 that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now again, so much we can say right there, but I think the word of God says it best. That women are designed to be what women are designed to be. And that's feminine. Is there anything with a a lady being soft? Absolutely not. She's supposed to be. By the way, fellas, that's why you ought to open the door for your lady. That's why you ought to let a lady enter the building first. Now, I know how it is. You're out somewhere and you open the door for a lady. She's like, you don't have to do that for me. (laughs) Okay, then I'll do it for my mom. Because mom taught me to do that. I'm no different than you. Well, you ought to be different than me. And so God created male and female. God wants men to act like men and women to act like women. How about this? Number three. We're moving along quickly. Number three. God expects male and female to marry and procreate. It's God's plan. Dr. Malone used to say, it's in the book. What are you going to do about it? Genesis chapter two. Would you turn over there with me quickly tonight? Genesis chapter two. And look at verse number 18, Genesis 2, verse number 18. This is so important. You know what, folks, the truth of the matter is, years ago, we didn't even have to teach on this. Years ago, you know what, 30 years ago, if I'd have taught on this, people would be like, wow, preacher, what in the world? Why are you teaching on something like this? Everybody knows that, but not anymore. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18 God's made everything. He's created the world. He's created the animals. He's created the, the sky. He's put the sun in place, the stars in place. He's created the firmament. He's, he's created uh, the, uh, the aquatic life and, and all these things. And the Bible says that God turns around and he looks at everything he's made and he says, man, it's good. It's good. God looked at the light and said, it's good. He looked at the aquatic life. He said, it's good. He looked at the livestock. And, and he said, it's good. He looked at the trees and the herbs and he said, it's good we look at Genesis chapter two, verse number 18. The Bible says, and the Lord God said, it is not good. That the man should be alone. Now watch closely, Calvary. He says this, I will make and help meet for him. So God said, it's not good for the man to be by himself. So I'm going to make him and help meet. So here's the question. Who did he make? Well, look at Genesis two, Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. In verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and he brought her unto the man. Oh man, I hope when we get to heaven, God lets us. I hope God's got a, a, a heavenly VCR. I, I, you know, I hope he's got a divine DVD player and if he does and he lets us, he'll rewind some stuff, I'm going to ask him, Lord, would you rewind the DVD to Genesis chapter two? I want to see that. Here, here Adam is, all he's ever known is elephants and, and aardvarks and, and, uh, uh, and otters and, uh, and uh, chimpanzees and, uh, and, and cows and, and horses and, and all these things. That's all he's ever known. He, uh, the Bible says he named them. And then all of a sudden, God, uh, God looks at Adam and, and God says, well, something's not jiving here. So God comes and he puts Adam to sleep. And the Bible says God reaches in, and takes a rib out of Adam's body and, and he, he makes this woman. And by the way, God never makes John. You know what I believe about Eve? I believe she was gorgeous. I believe she was gorgeous. God wakes uh, wakes, wakes Adam up. (laughs) And then a little bit later, he says, Adam, I I want to introduce you to somebody. And Adam says, okay, Lord. You got me a lizard? And he said, no, not not quite, not quite. (laughs) Different kind of cow? No, no, not quite, not quite sloth, you know, or maybe a crow. or He's like, no, this is a little different. And in my mind, I don't know how it happened, but in my mind's eye, I can see God walking out and and he sort of pulls her out from behind him and he says, hey, Adam, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Eve. You know what I believe? I believe Adam's eyes bugged out of his head. I believe his heart started going... By the way, it never did that for an elephant. I promise you that. In fact, I kid sometimes. The Bible says that he called her a woman. And I believe it because he looked at her and he said, Whoa, man, yeah. Amen. Without being disrespectful, he probably said, Not bad, Dad, not bad. Amen. <laughs> but we're, we're being a little facetious tonight. But, but be that as it may, you know what the Bible says? He made a woman. And brought her unto the man. Verse 23, verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. You don't have to turn there. First Corinthians 7 1. Now concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. It's in the Bible. It's not very dramatic or glamorous preaching, but it's in the Bible. And so God designed men And women to marry and to procreate. And by the way, church, come on now. Come on. It's the only way you will procreate. I'm not, I don't want to be crass or gross tonight. But this new culture that's going on, if they were put on a desert island, they'll die by attrition. Preach is not a very nice thing to say. It may not be nice, but it's realistic. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because they cannot procreate. Amen. They cannot bring life into this world. Why? Because there is a holy and an almighty God that never designed it to be that way. Amen. And so God created men and women to marry and to procreate. We're, we're, we're done tonight. I told you we're gonna be quick tonight. Number four is this. God never validates. God never. And I've got that word never. I've got, in my outline, I've got it all caps and I've got it emboldened. God never. God never validates homosexuality or transgenderism as acceptable. In fact, Scripture speaks directly against both. Deuteronomy. You're in Genesis, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Somebody says, well, personally, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, let's see what God says about it then. Genesis chapter 22, what about this thing of of transgender, cross-dressing? What about this thing? Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number five, the Bible says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 22. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, it is abomination. Leviticus chapter 20, verse number 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Both of them have committed an abomination. Now I want you to understand that God loves the homosexual, but God despises their sin. And I know that's, again, I know that's not a popular message. God doesn't hate anybody. God loves everybody. By the way, we love everybody at Calvary Baptist Church, but we are not supposed to endorse the sin of this culture that we're living in. God hates that sin. We're done, but I want you to turn over to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter number one. The wheels are on the runway. Romans chapter one and look at verse number 22. Now I said this just a moment ago. You say, pastor, what's going on? What, what, what is all this about? This, uh, this incredible homosexual agenda. We had this conversation yesterday. You can't even turn on the, you can't even turn on the TV without, without, without them shoving it in your face. And by the way, how many know this, that God's people have no business watching that kind of smut in their house. And they can do it. We don't have to watch it. God gave us a controller. God gave us a button. And if you can't control it, then put a hammer through the TV. But don't don't allow Hollywood to pump that junk into your living room, into the lives of your children What's going on, pastor, with this transgenderism and this equality act and all the things that are, uh, that are happening in our nation? Listen to me, my friend. It is an all-out attack on godliness as we know it. Amen. Romans chapter one, verse 22. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And here it is, here it is, church. You say, pastor, what's it all about? He's getting ready to tell us. Verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 25, here it is again. Who changed? The truth of God into a lie. Listen, if you are a man, if you are X, Y, and you say, I am a woman, you are changing the truth of God into an all-out lie. you right. Verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever, Amen. Verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. What kind of affections? Vile affections. For even their women did change, and there's that word again. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men Working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was mean. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, here it is now, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I'm trying to stay calm tonight. You say, Pastor, what is the agenda? Why are there so many politicians on Capitol here that are trying to get this kind of stuff passed? And evidently it must be because many of them are involved in it themselves. Because when you're involved in that kind of lifestyle, you're not satisfied till you get other people involved in that lifestyle. It's in the book, isn't it? We understand tonight, we understand that you understand that God sent judgment upon cities because of immoral wickedness and specifically the sin of homosexuality. And we could go there, we won't go there tonight, but Genesis 19, you read that story later. Those angels came, they came in to see Lot. And the Bible says that the men of the city saw those angels come into Lot. And the Bible says later that night, they come past the house round. And they said to Lot, bring the men out to us that we may know them. Sexual connotation. And Lot was so depraved. He said, brethren, be careful when you get so, you know, you become great chums with the world. You can start calling them brethren. Well, brethren, do not so wickedly. I have two daughters which have never known, man. They're virgins. I'll bring them out to you and you do whatever pleases you. But don't mess with these men. That's how depraved they were. I want to read a letter for you quickly. This is by Franklin Graham. It says, dear friend, last, late last week, The U.S. House of Representatives passed a very dangerous piece of legislation, the Equality Act, and now it's headed to the Senate. The Biden administration has said that they want to pass this within their first 100 days. I cannot say this more emphatically for people, for businesses, for churches, and for ministries of faith, the Equality Act is a threat to life as we know it in our nation today. It is a real game changer. This is not about politics. It's about biblical truth and religious freedom. I urge you to contact your U.S. senators and ask them to vote no to the Equality Act. You can also call the U.S. Capitol switchboard. They'll, give you, uh, and they'll connect you to the Senate office. I encourage you to let the White House know about your strong opposition to this bill. The progressive left is zealous about this issue and will put out, uh, out all the stops to try to make it law or make it the law of the land. Under the broad reach of the Equality Act, schools, churches, and hospitals could be forced to accept the government's beliefs and mandates about sexual orientation and gender identity. That would be highly intrusive, incredibly far-reaching. It will threaten everyday speech where people can be fined or lose their jobs for using the wrong name or wrong pronouns. And so if it is a him and you call him him and him thinks he's a her, you can be fined. You know what, church? That's straight out of the twilight zone right there. That's about as dumb, that's, that's as idiotic, that's about as dumb as I've ever heard in my life. The Equality Act will legislate, here it is, listen to this now. The Equality Act will legislate that we allow boys and girls sports boys in girls' locker rooms, men in women's shelters, and men in women's prisons, it will force teachers and students to publicly pretend that a biological male is a female. Schools will be coerced to instruct first, second, and third graders that they can choose to be a boy or a girl or neither, or both. Making biological sex and science a relic of the past. You say, Pastor, that'll never happen. Be careful what you say. The Equality Act will force the law across all 50 states to threaten the right of Christian, here, this is important now. To threaten the right of Christian and other religious ministries to hire people of shared faith to pursue a shared mission. Can you imagine a Christian organization being forced to hire people who who have no passion for its beliefs, teachings, and mission or uh, who might even be hostile toward its deeply held beliefs? That doesn't work. The Equality Act will strip health professionals of their rights of conscience. It will force doctors and medical professionals who long to do no harm to engage in gender transition treatments such as hormone blocking, cross-sex hormones, or surgery. It's obvious that a Catholic or faith-based hospital should not have to perform gender transition surgeries that go entirely against what they believe. The Equality Act will be a tool used by the government to deny or threaten accreditation to religious colleges and universities if they do not satisfy the demands of the secular left to apply sexual orientation and gender identity to dorms Sports, places of privacy, and even teachings. The act could be used as a weapon to threaten the availability of federal student loans and grants to students at certain disfavored religious schools. These are just a few examples. Friends, this is a pivotal time for our nation. The impact of this legislation is immense. We must not remain silent and accept what we know is wrong especially when we have the power to do something about it. People of faith need to pray. Churches need to recognize the significance of this and pray corporately, asking for God's intervention and mercy to extend the religious freedoms we have been blessed with for so long. We must act now in the remaining days before the Equality Act comes up for a vote in the U.S. Senate as individuals, churches, and organizations We need to let our senators know how important this is to us and that we are asking them to vote an emphatic no to the Equality Act. We're gonna leave this screen up or or after the service, fellas, after we're done tonight, if you'll put this screen back up and leave it up while folks are fellowshipping tonight. We've got the numbers right here. And so it'll be, we'll leave it up there for a while. But I want you to find something to write with here in just a little bit. I want you to write these numbers down. And I want you to do something maybe you've never done. I want you to get on the telephone. And I want you to call. These are your North Carolina senators right here. And so this week, I called Richard Burr's office and I said, we are absolutely opposed to this Equality Act. And we're hoping, Mr. Burr, we're hoping, now be respectful, but we're hoping that you'll do the right thing and vote no concerning this Equality Act. And I, and, and here, here's the thing, church, you say, Pastor, I've never done anything like this before. Then start now. Right. Start now. Because as Franklin Graham said just a moment ago, the left, is not afraid. They're not afraid to let their voice be heard. And so church, we're gonna have to be heard we're going to have to speak out and, and let our legislators know that this is wrong. It's wrong in every way. It's wrong. This is going to hurt our kids. And it's going to hurt our churches. And it's going to hurt our nation. Have you, ever, have you ever done this? We're done. You ever done this? You ever had a piece of fabric or a piece of clothing or something like that and there was a little thread? It started threading, and you pull out a thread. Then a little bit later, you look back down, there's another thread, and you pull out a thread. And then a little bit later, you pull out another thread and another thread. And before you know it, before you knew it, you had made that garment or that blanket or whatever it was, you made it weak, and it started falling apart. You know why? Because you started pulling the threads out of it. You know what's going on in America? Little by little, the moral fiber is being pulled out of our nation. We're a young nation. But we have a group that's pulling the moral fiber out of our nation. And if they keep doing that, as great as this nation is, let me tell you what's gonna happen. She's gonna fall apart. She's gonna fall apart. And so let's do business with the Lord tonight. Let's, let's bow our heads this evening. Maybe tonight we just need to come to the altar and pray and ask God to do something Maybe tonight we just need to come and say, oh, God, would you give us grace? Lord, would you give us mercy? Father, would you shed your grace on America again? Lord, we admit we're in a mess. We're in a bad way. Lord, except you help us, we don't have a a prayer. We're not gonna make it. I have little grandbabies that are three and four years old and I'm thinking if things keep going the way they're going what in the world is this nation if the Lord doesn't return what is this nation going to be like for my little grandbabies what are they going to have to face well I'm hoping their grandpa I'm hoping they don't have to see papa in jail but if things keep going like they're going Calvary it's not an impossibility we need a move of God let's all stand tonight if you will please Father thank you for this time we've had together tonight Lord I really don't even know how to pray Father we're in a mess we need you so bad God, we want you to help us. We admit and we acknowledge that Heavenly Father outside of you, we don't have any help. Our help comes from thee. Father, I'm hoping the coming of the Lord is near. I'm hoping that the the rapture is, is just around the corner. But if not, oh Lord... What's this world going to be like for my grandkids? Father, I pray that you'd send revival. God, I pray that you'd keep this church in the way. God, help us to be a beacon. Help us to be a lighthouse in a dark world. Father, we don't hate anybody. We don't hate anybody tonight. We're not hate mongers. We love everybody. But there are some rights. And there are some wrongs. Father, we're just coming tonight and we're just asking you, please send revival. Lord, please have mercy on us. Father, somehow, please give us your grace. Oh God, give us your grace tonight. We don't deserve it. But in Jesus' name, we're asking for it. God, give us your grace. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would spare this nation. Father, we pray tonight for our leaders. We pray for our president and his wife, Jill, that you would save them. You could do that. I pray that you'd save them. I pray for our vice president, Lord, and her husband, that you would save them. God, I pray for our Senate. In our Congress. I pray tonight for our Supreme Court justices. Many of them are religious, but that's not enough. God, I pray that you'd show them their need of a Savior. And I pray that they'd come to know you. God, please give us grace. Save our nation. And God, help us as a church to realize that the main thing is still the main thing. And that's getting people to the Savior. Father, have your way in the invitation, please. We thank you and love you tonight. In Jesus' name.